hello, 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 and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast. With me, the Matt Chatter, Brian MK, and as always by my side, the salary captain, the March Heron, Mr. Aaron Stewart. What's up, buddy? We've got not one, but two, two guests tonight. This is fucking amazing. What's going on, buddy? It's our biggest show. Well, you know my saying, it's Monday night, and Mondays are my favorite day of the week. Everyone's least favorite day. It's my favorite day because we get to record, we get to talk football, like living the dream, man. So I'm doing good. A great weekend, and I'm ready to do the show. How are you doing? Hell yes, I'm ready to go too. And we've got a couple of guys from Gridiron Experts. They got the Fantasy Facts podcast. I hope that's how you say it, bros. Yes. Yes. Looks like that's how you say it. So we got Stellar Seth Keller. And Detroit's dynasty, Pat. Welcome to the <laughs> dynasty wonderland, my friends. Oh, that is, that's, I love, I love the intro. That was like the best intro, intro I've ever had. And we've done this for, Good. we've like, Good. we've been doing this for a little while. So yeah. uh, that, like that is by far the best intro I think I've ever had. So thank you right. so much. Good. No problem. Um, yeah, no, I, that's, it's great. And I just, we need to clarify something though. Monday is not the best day. That's true. But Monday night, yes. Now Monday night, Monday night. Now we're talking because we got Correct. Monday night football. football we got yeah. podcasts going on. We get to hang out. Monday night is popping. Monday day, it's just yeah. the struggle bus till we get to the night. So uh, like it. it's it, it's <laughs> a pleasure is. being here. Glad to be on the show, guys. Uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, and once again, that intro sick. I, Pat, hey, you need to do better. <laughs> You need to raise I the bar now on our, on our podcast. What? I need a better intro. <laughs> oh, my God. I have to record some drops now that you can screw up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. All right, good. All right. Well, we are definitely glad to have you guys. Shit, let's get right into it. Uh, we've got preseason stuff going on, injuries. I guess, you know, we've got a game going on right now, or at least it was last I checked, and some injuries in this game. So let's go ahead and talk what's going on there. But before we do, I just got to say Marquez Callaway, because I've been loving on this dude since last year, wrote about him as an undrafted free agent, and I'm excited to see him doing well. And I knew as soon as Michael Thomas went down, Callaway's got a chance. So let's hope he makes the most of it in the regular season. But Saints, got some injuries. Troutman carted off. Sounds like Travis Etienne has a foot injury. Daryl Henderson with a thumb injury. What's going on, guys? Lots of stuff going on with the injuries. And uh, shit, there's lots of quarterbacks with injuries. We can go into that too. So let's go ahead and start with Dynasty Pat. I'm just going in alphabetical order, basically, right. except for I'm ignoring Aaron. Over that's there. fine. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fine. So I'm the, we're the guests, Seth. And I should get to go first. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So Pat, give me some thoughts. Preseason injuries. Give it you to know, me. Injury. Nobody wants to see stars go down in the preseason, right? You don't want to see what happened to Cam Akers. You don't want to see guys come up with like soft tissue injuries. You know, you see <laughs> Dak with a shoulder. Now we got Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It was a high ankle sprain. He was fine. Then he wasn't. Then he was. Uh, Daryl Williams got concussed. Like these are the things you don't want to see, especially now because we're getting so much closer to the start of the season where you're looking at guys that, you know, any sort of injury is a setback where they're missing valuable regular season games. So you never want to see big names go down. 
especially in week two, because week three is where you get to see them for a better part of a game. Game, I use that term loosely. Um, but no, uh, you see these injuries and you see guys going down, like Troutman gets carted off. He was a guy I think a lot of people were looking forward to seeing. He was a, a sleeper, if you will. He was a guy a lot of people were stashing, myself included. Yes. Um, I want to talk for the Saints just a second because you brought up a guy Ryan and Marquez Callaway, who I absolutely love. And I love seeing the Jameis Taysom Hill battle come to an end because it should be Jameis moving forward. So I'm looking forward to seeing that offense because I don't think the Saints are going to be very good. I think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. So I want to see Jameis chuck that ball downfield. And I want to see Callaway come up with a lot of those those targets and a lot of those catches. Hell yes. (laughs) <laughs> the re- reference to big daddy hell yes um i mean i think it definitely is disappointing seeing all these preseason injuries but the savvy players are able to kind of sift through some of that and see opportunities for value right um because you know if you're not able to jump in on the marquez callaway hype right now maybe you're able to get a michael thomas so much later in the draft because he was going in the second, third rounds. Now he's falling, falling, falling. You might be able to snatch him up now. It looks like Troutman might be done. Uh, I Man, it's it's tough to hear anybody get, being carted off the field. But, right. you know, that that is never a good sign, right? Um, it leads an opportunity for Jawan Johnson possibly to come in there. Hell, maybe maybe Taysom Hill gets switched back to tight end and and is now catching passes from Jameis uh, Winston. And my Taysom Hill share in Scott Fishbowl isn't completely sunk because I have have Taysom Hill, the tight end, uh, starting for me as as my super flex quarterback. Um, You know, it it definitely sucks, the injuries, um, but there are – you know, there's opportunities for silver linings and finding those guys that, you know, maybe, maybe you drafted Darrell Henderson in the 12th round of like the puppy or underdogs, um, big dog, right? Like maybe you got him in the 12th round, you're set up for a massive success minus now the sprained thumb, which should only be a weekly thing, but you're set up for a massive success where you're winning over top of anybody that's drafting Darrell Henderson now, in the fourth fifth round so you know there's there are always some silver linings that come out of that because it's you know it's really the reason the preseason happens is it's opportunity right that's why we have a preseason we have a preseason for opportunities for guys to be able to practice guys to be able to show what they have guys to be able to get on the field that may not have another opportunity to get on the field this season this is their chance right now it's an opportunity and that's the way I like to look at the preseason versus the minefield of injuries <laughs> that it seems like everybody else sees the preseason as. To me, I try and keep it positive, try and keep it in that mindset of it's an opportunity. Listen, it sucks. Adam Troutman, prayers out to you, feel for you. But as an opportunity now for the next guy to step up, it's an opportunity for fantasy players to be able to grab that next guy. It's an opportunity and that's the way we should be looking at preseason. Um, what do what do you what do you guys think? Did we did we did we cover enough as guests? Do we did we leave anything on the bone for the hosts? <laughs> I 
that sounds great to me. I love the opportunity thing because that's similar to how I view, I view everything is how can I gain knowledge? So even during preseason games, there is knowledge to be gained for fantasy purposes. And that's kind of the way I approach it. But Aaron, my man, go ahead. I know you got something. Certainly. Um, keep thinking with some of these injuries too. Uh, I'll take the Travis Etienne one. The foot, we don't really know much right now. We're not going to know probably for, what, a couple of days uh, on that. Right. But but even then, it's we are so close to draft season. It's You have to be careful with these. Like Even if it's just kind of one of these, these mild ankle sprains, it, you have to adjust accordingly. doesn't mean that you fade them completely, but you, know, you have to temper expectations because usually I've been guilty of it in the past. I draft players and I get super optimistic about injuries. And, and I'm like, my, this team, like when they're healthy, they'll be good. But the problem becomes like, how long does it take them to fully get healthy, not just healthy, but able to play at the NFL level, the highest form of football. So with the ETN, I'm watching that. And also like, just right now, my, my gut reaction is I'm dropping him at, at least a full round, um, but possibly more because he, he was going in that fifth, sixth round. And for some people, depending on your roster construction, you may have been drafting him as your RB2. Some people like to go grab an RB super early, then grab like all their receivers. Hey, maybe a Darren Waller is there too. And you're like, oh, that's fine. I'll get an ETN. That's actually one of my teams that I already drafted. That's what I did. So I sit there and I go, Oh boy, kind of, kind of sucks. Injuries are part of the game, but for drafts that are coming up for me, I'm, I'm having to kind of be a little bit more conservative. I love the upside with, with ETM, but it hurts. And then the only thing I got, I got to add with Adam, Adam Troutman is Juwan Johnson. He is definitely intriguing. What I caution people in fantasy to do is Juwan Johnson is a converted receiver. He, I want to say is 231 pounds. There's conflicting reports. He's in the 230 to 240 range, whereas Troutman was the, more of your traditional tight end, 255 pounds. And of course, if they're playing the position, can block and everything. You just can't quite go, oh, Troutman's out. Whatever I project Troutman to get for his stats, I'm going to throw all of that on to Juwan Johnson. So for, for fantasy people, it's like, yes, this is going to help Juwan Johnson, but also know it's like it may, it's going to affect players in different positions. At this point, like Alvin, Alvin Kamara, <laughs> Sean Payton's just going to, he's going to scheme Kamara to get like 120 targets or something, <laughs> just something huge. Cause it's him and Callaway, and that's about it right now. Traquan Smith was dealing with injuries for, for weeks as well. So, oh, my goodness. Both both those guys are very interesting in fantasy football because for, what, the first part of the season, those are the only two kind of established guys that yeah. have stayed healthy and everything. So. At least, at least until week seven. Traquan Smith is right. practicing again today Thank or this <laughs> week or something like that. Like, he's he's hopefully back. Right. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there. Sorry, Pat, to talk over you. Go ahead. No, no, I would say it's uh, – I lost my train of thought for a second there. But <laughs> Oh, no, the thought train crashed. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like when Michael Thomas comes back, you know, one, what is that going to look like? Because mm -hmm. there's some drama with Michael Thomas right now <laughs> on top of the injury. So does he yeah. come back week seven? Is he ready to go? What does that offense look like down – you know, Michael Thomas and now Adam Troutman, you know, is it Callaway? Is it, I mean, it's Kamara. Let's be honest. It's Kamara getting 20 touches a game. <laughs> right. 
that's what it's going to be. But it's funny, Aaron, you brought up a guy that Seth and I have talked about a lot in our last few shows and Darren Waller. And I actually, in my copy of the show sheet, I put a little note in here that Darren Waller is finally back in practice. The dude missed like two weeks worth of practices. And we finally found out it's an ankle injury, but it wasn't serious enough that would have kept him out of a regular season game. Right. So I'm, I'm, it was serious enough for him to miss two weeks of preseason and training camp and practice, but not serious enough where it would have taken him out of a regular season game. So I guess I'm, I'm confused as to how serious the injury was. Right. It's all of that preseason hype. And you know, so. that coach speak. Yeah. Exactly. And so sometimes quick, you just go with the upside. <laughs> so, so quick question before I, I, I think we've talked the saints to death now, but quick question right. before we, we move on. Uh, Mark, Mark has Callaway is going right now, according to FF calculator um, at the 15.04. So 15th round, early 15th round, where is he going to end up? Um where's actually that's his low yeah so where's he gonna end up now that these injuries have kind of taken over where do you where do where are you comfortable going you know what i'm gonna take that shot on callaway honestly for me i'll reach a little bit if i have to um but i'm also big on the dude and have been but I, I'm currently in two 16-team uh, guillotine leagues, and I got them both of them. I think it was more round 11 or 12, but again, 16 teams. But I will say this. I have noticed in best ball, I've taken him a shit ton in best ball on underdog, and he used to be way below Brian Edwards, and now they're right fucking next to each other. So... <clears throat> He's definitely been already climbing, and that might be partly due to me. Just saying, because I've been drafting <laughs> a shit ton of uh, so that might be. Me. But I, I do think it, this is going to probably bump him up a little bit more. Yeah, and, and I just realized I I couldn't read um, FF calculator uh, sponsored by Woodford tonight. <laughs> Seth Keller's take sponsored by Woodford. Twelve twelve oh five is his average ADP. Oh, the fifteen oh four was his low. Uh, 809 was his high. So okay. where, where, where is he going to be now? Are you going to, are you going to take him in the eighth round now? Eighth still seems early. I'm comfortable around the 10th, 11th round, somewhere in there, depending on my roster construction. But again, I'm like you, Ryan, I've been super high on Callaway since I picked him up last year in, a, in my main dynasty league. So mm-hmm. I would probably reach for him, but even the eighth round is early for me. And I really like yeah, that because Callaway. Yeah. Cause I thought his ADP was about around 12 and yeah. I think I took him in the 11th. I'd have to double check, but um, so I'd be okay going to 10th. Maybe then it, for me, it always depends. I, every draft is different. It, I'm okay. Reaching a couple rounds, a guy, if where I'm currently at, I see nothing I like. Uh, I'm okay reaching for a little bit for a guy. So it would really depend, but yeah, I'd have to agree about the 10th. Well, and I, I actually think eighth round sounds about right. Cause I I'm looking at some ADPs of some receivers that are going in that eighth, ninth round. That's Will Fuller. It's Curtis Samuel, Jalen Waddle, Jarvis Landry, Darnell Mooney. Like there's, there's some names there that right now Callaway is the number one receiver there. 
and some of the some of those offenses there, I go, you know, it's I the reassuring thing is I know I don't have to go eighth round to get Callaway because he just does have the name brand that that a lot of these guys have. But especially you take a Darnell Mooney, which is perfect. Like these are two second year receivers. And Mooney is going, his ADP is right inside the top 90. And I mean, right now, I'm absolutely taking Callaway. Mooney? Really? It's really funny that you brought up Mooney because as you're reading off the list, (laughs) I'm going, I'll take Callaway over. I take Callaway over Waddle, over Fuller, over Samuel. And then you got to Darnell Mooney. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) I like both of those guys. And before tonight, before the game tonight, you know, you could make a case that Mooney had a higher floor, higher ceiling, just because, in my opinion, he's going to be tied to a better quarterback in Justin Fields. And I want to talk more about the Bears later. I got some little notes in the show sheet, my own show sheet here. We'll talk. I want to talk more about the Bears later. But I was like, oh shit, I like I like both of those guys. I'm lucky enough to have both of those guys in a couple of leagues. But that was to me. That's where I get like, oh man if I'm on the clock at the eighth or ninth round and they're both there and I can't get the other one coming back, I'm probably taking Mooney, yeah. but that's me. It's close. But like, that's, that's the wonderful thing is like, even with these injuries, cause you know, people don't they, it's a gradual change, right? So like you, you're still going to be able to get Callaway probably in that 10th round, but like, I'm sitting there going, not after, I don't think after tonight. I don't think so. That, I mean, he just exploded in oh, the first true, quarter. True with him. And, and you have a lot of shows. people. I mean, <laughs> we did. talked a little bit about it. I have one. I have my last draft coming up this weekend. I think you guys all have some other drafts coming oh, yeah. up. So, you know, a big, a big quarter or a big spike in production now that ADP is just going to skyrocket. Especially on a Crazy. team lacking a legit number. Like Kamara is the one. Marquez Callaway is the number two. Right. So I, I could see that ADP creeping up into the single digit rounds easily. And that may be for people that want them. You're going to have to be bold. You know, it's, you're going to have to really plant your flag. <laughs> it's, I think the, the general consensus here, we're all Callaway fans. Mm-hmm. And if we want them in fantasy, we're going to get going to be what we have to do. Exactly. All right. I love it. Great Saints talk. The Marquez Callaway love is in the air. But we're moving on to some more injuries. We did talk a lot of injuries because I got to ask some thoughts. And we'll start with Seth on this one. A couple of quarterbacks I'm looking at. Dak Prescott been dealing with this weird injury that they've been talking to a baseball team about because this is what pitchers get, apparently. And it sounds like it's He's going to be ready to go, but it's something that could linger all year. Whereas Carson Wentz, somebody that people, you know, whether you were on him or not, probably most were interested to see what he'd do with the Colts. He gets injured. They're thinking, oh, this is trouble for the Colts. But he's already out there doing some throwing and stuff, looking all right. Chance, maybe he's back for week one. I doubt they'll rush him into it. But what are your thoughts on the quarterbacks that I'm talking about? Seth. Stellar, oh. Seth Keller. Yeah, I'm, I can't. I can't believe I've lived thirty plus years of my <laughs> life, and that hasn't that hasn't been a thing. Stellar, uh, never. <laughs> apparently, hey. until until this moment, uh, or this moment, a few you know minutes moments ago, uh, I was I was never stellar. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you are tonight. I, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna go with 
I'm going to start with Dak first. And so you, you commented on the, the Keenan Allen jersey, but I also got my Cowboys scarf. Oh, there you top go. Of it. Um, and, and my Cowboys World Championship helmet with a little <laughs> mini helmet with the stickers on it. Uh, they, they don't have too many recent stickers. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm going to start with my boy Dak. And I honestly like the fact that they went to – they went to baseball teams and said, Hey, how do we deal with this? Because right. you're, you're basically taking like somebody else's expertise. And now you're saying, okay, I know you're good at this. I know you deal with this. Come help me out yeah. because this is like, we want to make sure he's right and help, help us make sure he's right. Um, so I actually, I really like the fact that they did that. Now, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned about the possibility of it lingering, but I'm also, I'm positive, like I'm optimistic is the better word. Um, in the, in, I'm optimistic that Dak is showing the discipline to not like, I, they told me not to throw. Like we, we saw it on hard knocks last week or the week before, whatever. They told me not to throw. They told me I can't throw. I, oh my God. He's like, he's taking his drops. And he's like, you could tell like he wants, he wants to throw. And he's like, all right, I got, just got to like toss it underneath. Right. And so to me, having him showing that discipline, him, him showing that the team showing it, I think is actually going to, it's going to help him out throughout the season. Right. Because it should, should prevent that lingering issue. Most of, most of these types of injuries um, that are like that soft tissue type of injury, it's rest and rehab that gets it better. And the more you're able to rest it, the more you're able to rehab it before you put it in strain again is going to help it out. So I, I'm, I'm, betting on the fact that I think they're making all the right moves in his rest and rehab. Now, every patient is different. My wife, one of my best friends, um, I, I don't have it on today. One of my, I usually wear it, wear it cause it's a dry fish shirt. My buddy has a PT place out in Jersey. Um, I have another friend that, uh, is a, uh, is a strength and conditioning coach with CC Sabathia. So like, I have a lot of people in the sports medicine like, fields, right? And like, so whenever I have a question like this, I'm always like, okay, so I know you have expertise that I don't. <laughs> right. So walk me through this. Like, what can I expect? Like, what what is it, right? And so the thing is like, every patient's different. Every player is going to be different. Every way they respond to the, you know, that rehab is going to be different. But from what I'm hearing from all these people around me, um is that if if he's doing what he's supposed to be doing the the chances of it lingering are going to be less the chances of him being able to start week one and be like himself throughout the season are increased now is there always a risk of re-aggravation re yes but again if he's doing all the right things now and he's had plenty of time to do the right things he should be fine come the start of the season. And I'm, I would rather bank on the fact that he's going to be healthy than him not being healthy. Does that make, that makes sense. I hit the, I hit the yeah. deck train. 
pretty good. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I'm um, hoping that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, me too. As <laughs> uh, for Wentz, I mean, again, by all accounts, it seems like they did the right things. It seems like both him and um, Quentin Nelson, who <laughs> kind of miraculously seems like got the same exact injury, um it seems like both of them will be back ready for week one and that seems around that right time frame um and another thing just one more thing to throw out there when you google time frame for like how long does it take for like this to get healed that's for the average fat slob like myself (laughs) to heal not for a primo athlete like we're talking about receiving even offensive like the best linemen care. Who, yeah the best not care only have the best day care, in and day out yeah not only the best care but also are in prime physical specimen shape even even like the the offensive lineman who you're like look at the little pudgy belly he has is still like running a four like six four seven forty <laughs> and benching like 225 30 times the average schmuck is not doing that, right? <laughs> and the same thing in terms of recovery. Yeah, the average schmuck might have like a four to 12 week window of recovery. And the reason they put that in there is because like the average schmuck probably isn't taking care of them themselves the way they should be. They're not doing the daily stretching. They're not doing the daily exercises. They're not doing the daily like home routine that a prime specimen physical specimen athlete is doing and is doing like pat just jumped in with with the best Best. care possible so i i i'm i'm in favor of all all three of those guys nelson wentz and Dak being ready to go week one i think they've had enough time to be able to recover recover from these things does it leave a lingering little, you know, breadcrumb of doubt that there's re-injury? Yes, but I'm not going to let that little breadcrumb of doubt steer me away from guys that I, I, I feel are going to be ready to play. All signs by the people that are there are saying that they're going to be ready to play. And I've been excited to kind of see play for a while now. So I'm, I'm ready to fire them all up. If not week one, week two, like they're not going to miss that significant chunk of time that people were afraid of beforehand. Um, yeah. Fire, fire, fire me up some Dak Wentz and, and especially Quentin Nelson, especially yeah. Quentin Nelson. Okay. All right. I fucking love it. That's good to hear. <laughs> Mr. Pat, you have anything to add? I'm, higher on Carson Wentz recovering faster than the Dak um, worries me. And this just came to me because I didn't realize they'd brought in or gone to specialists, you know, on baseball teams that deal with stuff like this. That leads me to believe that his injury might be a little more serious than we think. If they're going to outside experts, specifically guys that deal with shoulder injuries all the time, not just something that pops up on a, you know, a football field that worries me a little bit especially limiting reps, throwing reps in practice. Um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, the, the one thing that, that I, I, help, I help 
I hope I hope helps I hope helps mitigate that. There we go. <laughs> that, that was tough to get out. Um, is they did that from jump though. Like they were yeah. like, oh, he's got this. All right, let's let's get yeah. people in before. Like it wasn't like, oh, we tried it for a week and right. oh shit, we don't know what we're doing. Quick, let's let's bring yeah. in some experts. It, from um, what, it was from like, what I heard. Oh, oh this sorry. happened. Jump right into it. Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. No, I was just gonna say from what I heard, there, it, it was something about like that it, it's a pretty rare football injury. Like it's something much more common in baseball. So it's not actually something you normally see in, in, in a quarterback, which is why they went to the specialist. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. I, I mean, the, we, Seth, you and I talk about it all the time. The offense is run through quarterbacks. Yeah. Dallas is going to be a much better offense than Indy um, because they have more skill position players, but in the context of this injury conversation, I like Carson Wentz recovering faster and being able to contribute faster than Dak with the shoulder injury that he's currently experiencing, I guess. I don't know how to, how to frame it. Shoulder discomfort. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the yeah. right way. I'm not a doctor. Um, <laughs> so. you, didn't, you didn't go to school with Johnny Hopkins. That's your boy. <laughs> don't make me quote. Step brothers, because <laughs> I will derail this entire show. <laughs> okay, Aaron, anything to add? Yeah, just real quick with with the Dak injury. I think the most important thing for people if you're playing fantasy football, if you're not using Twitter, Twitter could be such a useful tool for you if you use it correctly. Because I love following the people that are in the PT field, like that is especially in the last year or two. You start to see more people come in that work with injuries. I, uh, similar to Seth, like I have buddies that work in the PT field and it's been great. Like this entire time, you know, one, one of my best friends, Dustin, like I, I'll ask him, be like, Hey, like, what are we looking at here? Like, what do you think? Like, we'll, we'll watch an injury. I'll be like, uh, what, what would you say, you know, kind of put you on, put them on the spot, diagnose, like what happened here? What are we looking at? And then the dude, Dude's bright. And on Twitter, one guy in particular I love following is Adam Hutchinson. You find him at, at the real Adam underscore H. And this was a tweet he had about Dak's injury. I'm gonna kind of shorten it here, but main points were don't panic. The latissimus dorsi, that that was the muscle that he strained. And it's if you Google it, like it's it's the back muscle. It's a massive muscle. It goes up to the shoulder. But the latissimus dorsi, it's a muscle strain, those linger just like you sprain an ankle when you're a professional athlete, you still have to play through that. It's more of a pain management. It's not so much a limitation of like, it's not ligaments. Thank goodness. So as long as Dak can manage the pain, which that's, we talk about getting the top help. That's what these people do. These athletes, I mean, it's a gladiator sport. You're going to be, players are going to be hurt after week one and then the rest of the season like it, it is I, how many times do we have players that sit out of practice all week and they're questionable 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 and then they go out and they perform at a high level like they're freak athletes just like Dak Prescott and, and I'm confident in this one and and the best part is I mean I'm in Texas I'm a Cowboys fan the leagues I play here in Texas are with Cowboy fans and I watched in a recent draft I did just two days ago where Dak Prescott fell far in the draft to the point where I'm starting to go, that happens again in these upcoming drafts. 
I am confident taking him. I know it's weird. I am usually one to say the injuries, you fade, you know, drop them. But this, I, I think that this one, each each injury is different. This is a chance to buy Dak uh, at a at a good time because he was dropping super far in the league because everyone's like, I can't take, I can't take Dak. I need a quarterback that's going to play. Seems to be more pain management. I trust Adam Hutchinson. I, I know he's not there actually working with 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 Dak, but you find your PTs on Twitter. They they're PTs for a reason. Trust those guys. Hell yeah! All right. Well, one last thing before we work our way towards this crazy ass and game I've invented for tonight. Preseason going on. We talked a little bit about, uh, well, mo- mostly about the Saints earlier. <laughs> but if any of you fellas got anything that's, uh, you know, up up to this point from the preseason that's really popped out to you, uh, throw it at me. All right. It started as a joke, but then it became so real. Uh, one, I've I've been. I've been excited for Jarrett Patterson because he came from university of Buffalo. And so I've always been like, yes, like, come on. Like I want, I want that man to succeed. Right. Even though it's like, I want to win the lotto. I know the odds of success suck, but I want to win. Um, So like it, I've always tempered my expectations, but the preseason has been like one of those things where it, Literally week one, it was a joke where I, I, I sent out a tweet that was like, um, uh, Jared Patterson had more or better rushing attempts, <laughs> yards per rush, receptions, yards per reception, like everything more than Antonio Gibson, Nashi Harris. Da, da, da. <laughs> and then, and then I ended it with the, the quote that I was really trying to make fun of was adjust your ranks accordingly because one i just hate when that's like the thing that just ends every twitter thing like i really like Najee harris adjust your ranks accordingly no that's not a reason that's not a reason for me to adjust my ranks like there there's nothing backing that up what do you what do you mean adjust them accordingly I, I don't adjust them is what you're trying to say and that's what i was trying to say with that tweet was like listen don't adjust your ranks like it, wherever you had antonio gibson is where you should stay still have Antonio Gibson because it's week one of the preseason It's now been two weeks. And it's like, man, I am so effing excited (laughs) about Jared Patterson. (laughs) But then it's also like, but it's like, he would need some kind of significant either injury or regression to Antonio Gibson Mm -hmm. to be able to see significant playing time. Now he should, he should make the 53 man roster by all accounts. It looks like he should be the number three running back behind Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick, and it should be him. And he should bump Payton Barber either to the curb or whatever. But I'm using this as a case study of, you know, don't go crazy with what happens in preseason, right? As much as you want something to happen, there's, there's wanting, and then there's the probability of that thing actually happening, right? And I'm going to go back to that lotto example, right? I want, I want a whole lot to win the lottery, but I know I have like a one in a billion chance of that happening. 
So am I going to constantly keep betting on me winning the lottery? No, because I know the odds aren't there, regardless of how much I want that to happen, right? Same thing with a lot of the athletes that you're betting on right now in sports, like a Ramondre Stevenson. Again, looks great. Had an incredible run all over Twitter, right? All over all the outlets with 137 left in the fourth quarter against guys that are about to be cut. Like put that stuff, like put all of that into perspective, right? And so again, that's not to contradict what I said earlier about opportunities in the preseason. That's all about opportunities. That Those young men right now are getting the opportunity to showcase what they can do. And that's a glorious thing. That's beautiful. I love watching that stuff, right? I know there's people that are like, well, when the fourth quarter hits in a preseason, when the you know, when the, when the second quarter hits in the preseason, I turn it <laughs> off because it's second. Third, 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 third. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like I try to watch more of that because I want to see like, who's that guy that like, wow, if he gets, if he gets another opportunity, like look at what he's putting on tape, look at, look at what he's able to show. Right. I love seeing that stuff and trying to be ahead of the game on that. But I also need to be, I need to check myself in those moments to be like, no, no, no. Okay. Yes. I really loved Riley Ridley coming out. I thought he had great route running. He did. He did play some in that second, second game preseason game. He did make some catches, but let me check myself again. There's a reason why he didn't touch the field his entire rookie season. So let's put that all back into context right? Let's right. try and figure out what we're actually getting out of these preseason games. And a lot of times it's, it's just a great opportunity for somebody to put something on tape that may, may be their only opportunity to put something on tape. Um, and so, you know, let's, let's continue to view it through that lens and, and not go overboard in what we're seeing in the preseason, but use it as an opportunity to just kind of like, where are they at? What are they doing? Mm. Let's take some notes on those things, not going, oh, well, this quarterback completed this many passes or that he had this, this guy's had this many drops. So we need to like, just flush him down the toilet because like those drops, blah, 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 drops, drops, drops. Yeah. Nobody wants to see the drops. Should we be concerned? Maybe like, I think, I think a little bit like as a, as a, X receiver like you know that that's that shit irks me shit body catches irk me but <laughs> like yeah like should we be concerned yeah probably a little bit should we drop like a Jamar Chase should we drop Jamar Chase completely out of the rankings no there's a reason he's there in the rankings the drops give you concern good hopefully it checks where you put Jamar where you put Chase maybe you start to realize like hey Maybe a rookie wide receiver shouldn't be my number one draft pick in a redraft. Um, that sounds deeply <laughs> personal. <Seth. laughs> There's some pain behind those eyes and in that statement. <laughs> I did not take Chase. Uh-huh. I don't think I have. I don't think I have Chase actually. Wow, maybe See, that that's was, maybe that's the I personal did, pieces. I just don't have any Chase. Just don't have any. When I made that joke in our Twitter thread, our Twitter thread about like something I like to talk, this is what happens on our show. Yeah. We just go down these rabbit holes, and next thing we know, we're an hour and forty minutes into the show, going, "Oh shit, 
<laughs> we'll have a lot more to cover. <laughs> We've had plenty of shows just like that. No worries. Like I've been on your guys' shows, and, and so I was like, yeah, that's what I was telling Ryan. I was like, you guys run these like the same type of show that we do, where we have yeah. great, great topics, and we just go down some Ramble. rabbit holes. And, and you know, it fits the Dynasty Wonderland rabbit holes. Yeah. Oh, Wonderland. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All, all, the pieces, all the Seth, pieces just came together. Seth was today years old when he felt, put that together. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Wait till you see the game. Okay, so Pat. Yes. It's it sounds like you don't care much for preseason, but do you have anything to add? Just how bad a lot of the teams we thought were going to be bad look right <laughs> no jacksonville looked really bad tonight yeah even before losing etn and marvin jo- marvin jones got dinged up with a shoulder injury so even oh, no. dj chark was out with a he had surgery on his finger like okay all that aside jacksonville looked bad you watched my lions play a game yet because i haven't no they're 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 bad right houston <laughs> is gonna be bad the teams that are bad look really bad so it goes back to what Seth said about trying to find that opportunity. So you, you're watching these teams to find a little nugget here or there of a guy that you like, you might want to put on a watch list or a sta- or a, a taxi squad or a deep, a deep stash, a guy that you're not going to tell anybody else about. And I'm going to plug our show for a second. Cause Seth and I went through all 32 teams. We talked about our offensive ranks. We started at the bottom of the barrel and worked way up to the top. Go back, take a listen to some of those shows because we cover every team and damn near every offensive player on every team. So I take no joy in watching these teams be bad, but the teams that have been bad have been really fucking bad. (laughs) They really have. So if you're watching bad preseason football, try to find, like Seth said, try to find that little nugget of information. The guy that's, that's, you know, playing in, and I watch second halves of preseason games, not many, but try to find that guy that, that stands out. You know, maybe he's an injury away. Maybe he is – maybe this isn't his team. Maybe he stands out and the team signs him off for practice squad, which means right. you're guaranteed you're guaranteed to be on the active roster for three weeks. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's his chance. I mean, hell, um, God, it was my Lions that did it too. The Lions cut – it was Travis Fulgham when he went to the Eagles. Yep. He was balled out. Yeah, you could have fucking used him in Detroit, but he balled out in Philly. So <laughs> you got to pick up those little nuggets here and there. So right. if you find yourself watching a bad preseason game or a bad team, look for the guys that stand out a little bit and maybe just write their name down, put them in your watch list on whatever platform you're using and, and just keep an eye on them for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And definitely have a beer while you're watching those oh, games. Oh, at least. Like, that's, like, like at least. Have, have, be- have beers while watching some of those games. It, it helps Plural. with some of that emotional struggle that you'll have while you're watching your team be a, also this a, a guy. shitty offense. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm talking to everybody, but I'm looking directly, directly at you, Pat. I see you. I see you. <laughs> I see you. You son of a bitch. Aaron. <laughs> And, you know, to, to kind of piggyback off what Pat's talked about, it's it's so easy to look at the scoreboard. And Seth mentioned, like, Ramondre Stevenson, like, massive game. That's 91-yard touchdown, uh, touchdown run. But it's the box score will always lie to you. 
there will be there is no context whatsoever. So the things I always try to try to do, and it can be difficult to get this information, but you want to look at specific information. Uh, my my best example is the New York Jets. So anytime Zach Wilson's been out there, and he's clearly the the starting quarterback for the Jets. The one guy he's targeting the entire time, Corey Davis. Corey Davis has this ridiculous target share with Zach Wilson. And I don't like Corey Davis. I, the very first article I ever wrote was a John U. Smith article. I dubbed Corey Davis Corpse Davis. And since then, it's just I've had a personal vendetta against Corey Davis. But I'm not dumb at this. I want to win. I just drafted Corey <laughs> Davis in a slow draft. And, you know, right now, like the ADP on sleeper is like 132. And I'm, I'm playing with some smart people. I was like, okay, where are we at? Okay, we're right inside the top 100. And I'm like, looking at, at the players there, Corey Davis is probably the receiver, the wide receiver one on the team. I love Elijah Moore. He's a rookie and he's hurt and he's missing valuable, valuable, valuable reps. Whereas Corey Davis is there in the game and Zach Wilson's clearly comfortable with them. And then another Jet player is Ty Johnson. Like, I know everyone loves Michael Carter. Michael Carter's ADP, quite frankly, I think is just outrageous. It's in the top 100. And I get the upside with Carter. But my goodness, if you're drafting a guy in the top 100, you're hoping, you're not hoping, you're expecting to start him in week one, week two, week three. And quite frankly, the numbers don't lie. Michael Carter got zero snaps with Zach Wilson in this last game. It was Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman that basically split the workload there. And Ty Johnson was, Ty Johnson is interesting. We know it's that 49ers offense that's coming in that can make Raheem Mostert look so good. And I think it was Evan Silva. Yeah, Evan Silva, I'm looking at the tweet here, even like made a comparison. He was like, look, Ty Johnson's a great late round fantasy football sleeper because he's just like Raheem Mostert and he has this ridiculous yards per carry it's it's not pretty when you watch Ty Johnson but the results are are there player a player profiler has like the um, a true yards per carry which kind of takes out some of the like the massive runs that like the Miles Sanders type runs that that balloon that yards per carry <laughs> to ridiculous heights and Ty Johnson's in the top 20 and that's it's more of a kind of a consistency thing and he's not elusive he doesn't have a lot of big plays but my goodness he just kept he was solid on the ground and could catch some passes so that was something that just stood out to me is like Michael Carter's getting all the hype because he's rookie and he's the new shiny toy but those ambiguous backfields all the all the smart guys in this field, they talk about it like that's where you find value. And Ty Johnson's a perfect value, and all the signs are there. He's actually playing with the first team. So those are the things I look for. I don't care so much about the box score stats. I care about I care about the snaps because that's what the coaches are telling us or telling everyone. This is how they value. Like I don't care if they don't target him or give him carry. If he's out there playing, he's clearly some one of the the top running backs there it's clearly like 1a 1b something with tevin coleman so i just need to say aaron you are now in fourth place in my favorite people on this podcast because uh, <laughs> i i constantly try and check my love for michael carter and i just i i just can't oh. do it it's just it's just overwhelming like my heart is just dump 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 like um 
and I, I legit try and constantly do it. And, and this preseason is a kick in the balls every time he's not getting those first team reps. It really, it really is. And that honestly, that is, it's a great point to make here because mm-hmm. man, if you told me, if you told me two weeks ago, listen, Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, they're going to get all the preseason work. I'd be like, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> like, you, no, like, what do you, what do you want to bet on it? I have, I have twins. <laughs> I'll bet one of them. Like, come on. Like, this is so stupid. Abs- yes. Like, 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 let's make the bet. Um, and this is also why I don't do any crazy bets in my life. And all, all my, all my, all my leagues are like less than a 200 bucks. Um, like, uh, it would have just sounded so absurd that he wouldn't have been working with, you know, the first team, at least in a rotation, right? right. Because of like what he's been able to put on film at the college level. And, and this is part of, this is part of that, that challenge. Like everybody who's done even, even any level of scouting, even the, you know, the, 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 the Twitter scouting and the, I watched highlights and I love this guy. Like, he's going to be amazing. Look at, look at these 10 minutes of just all highlight plays. And it's like, but I have seven hours of low lights. Doesn't that matter? No, I have just <laughs> 10 minutes of highlights. Um, like all of that doesn't always translate. Right. And everybody has to be ready to accept that. Like there's certain players that like we, I'm not even going to say weep because I'm not going to put myself in like the NFL echelon of scouts um, because of my Twitter scouting. Um, but like there's players that everybody misses on right. NFL misses on your, your average dude at the bar drinking a beer, watching the college game going, watch this guy play on Sundays. He's going to be great. Like there's people that, that, that we just miss on. There's guys that are just misses all the signs look like they're there and we miss. Right. And like it, I'm still not going to say it yet, but it looks like Michael, like Michael Carter is slowly getting some of those signs pulled away from him. And like, like I said, I'm not going to say it yet, but he could end up being one of those guys that lets people down because like the expectations for him are too high. Right. And I think that's, I think that's going to be the bigger issue. And I kind of, I've slowly been getting to the point of saying like, listen, don't expect much out of Michael Carter in September. Like don't, 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 don't expect much out of him in September. They're going to, they're going to work in Coleman. They're going to work in people that have been in the offense. That's what it's going to be like. Don't expect much in September. Also, rookie running backs. Everyone says, oh, it's the easiest to translate to running back. Just give them the ball and run forward. <laughs> you have no clue of the game, but that's all right. We won't, we won't, we won't, be, we'll, we won't be taking a turn down negative town. But <laughs> like you, like, there's a lot of transition that happens even at the running back position. Yes, it may be one of the easier positions to do it in, but there's still a change in the game from college to the pros right and so that happens with rookie running backs also and like i said don't expect much in september but maybe october november december we're going to see more out of him 
oh man, the, this preseason shit is just killing me where it's like, man, do I need to go November now? Like, do I, I I'm slowly, I feel like I'm slowly going to go wait till November. No, wait till, <laughs> you know what? Wait till next year. It just wasn't his year. Keep, I'm in January. It's like, I, I'm in January now. Just wait, wait till next year. Next year is going to be Michael Carter's year. I, I fear that's going to be the case. Yeah. Well, what's great <laughs> on something like this is then, you know, the, and I'm with you. Like it, it could be because it's Ty Johnson, a talented running back. I, I haven't really seen anything in his two plus years to show that he's a talented running back. And Tevin Coleman didn't look so good last year. And, and I go, man, Michael Carter should be the guy there. But uh, you know, it's so funny. If I went on Twitter and I, and I put something like this and then like a couple of months, like I'm like, yeah, pick up Michael Carter, like because of the situation, like people are going to go, whoa. But you were anti-Michael Carter. I'm like, no, let's put some context. Drafting Michael Carter in the top 100 when right now, if week one comes around, who knows? I mean, two carries, maybe gets a target, and you're like, why the heck did I draft him in the eighth round and I passed up Marquez Callaway? <laughs> way, to, way to bring it full circle there. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so with – with those with those kind of fringy players, like put them on the watch list. Let someone else take them in the eighth round, and then that person's going to be the same one that gets super impatient, drops them two or three weeks into the season because that guy's not doing anything, and then boom, you get to pick up Michael Carter, the guy that you still loved to in, in the eighth round, and you didn't have to draft him in the eighth round. That's how you win your redraft leagues. I'm going to write that one down. My redraft league draft <laughs> is this weekend. I'm going to go ahead and just write that one down there we go and when pat wins he's going to shout out the dynasty wonderland podcast that's right (laughs) all right fellas we're going to take a quick break we're going to come back and get into this game just a quick sneak peek that's all you get to see i'll explain it when we get back perfect all right my drink's ready to be (laughs) yeah yeah there you go perfect timing all right so break time we'll be right back Okay, we are back. Seth's drink is refilled. That's good to know. My bladder is emptied, uh, uh, but I do have a, also another. Also good to know. Yes, very good to know. And, and, and sometimes a TMI. I'm sorry, sorry. And and I uh, I'm also refilled on what I'm partaking in. So we are good to go for for what I like to call the caucus race game because you see i create a lot of crazy ass games uh i went so far as to buy a a prize wheel we use that thing a lot around here it's a dry erase prize wheel it's actually pretty fucking cool (laughs) yeah yeah i really love the thing but so i realized i never really have done a kind of alice in wonderland where the dynasty one alice in wonderland themed topic kind of thing you'll understand in a second so I decided that's what we're going to do. It's the first time we've actually had another duo on. So this is what we're going to do. I have a board, four topics. We're going to start with Dynasty Pat, 
because again, alphabetical order, except for minus Aaron, ignore that part. So we'll go, <laughs> yes, go Pat, first. Seth, Aaron, you guys will each pick one. If we have time, we'll take out the fourth category and or topic. And I'll just be assigning random points throughout just for no real reason. They don't mean anything like whose line is it anyway. Hey, it's just more just to pick on Aaron a little bit, to be honest. And so as, as long as I have the most points at the end, that's all that oh, matters yeah, well, about about the random points that don't matter. As yeah. long as I have the most. I mean, we'll have to see. But Seth, don't you still have to mail me the score sheet from our little game from a couple of weeks ago? Like no, it's in, no, it's in the mail. OK. All right. Good. Just making sure. <laughs> OK, so this is what I got for you, fellas. Your four topics are, baby, bam, off with their heads. Who are you? Twiddle D or Twiddle Dumb and a mad tea party. Now, Dynasty Pat, this will all translate into fantasy. You'll see. G Dynasty Pat, you first, my man. What are we going with? Who are you? All right. Give me a couple of sleepers and or taxi squad stashes some guys that may, maybe not everybody's as familiar with who are they give it to me pat come on i'm gonna keep it local and it's not a guy that is a sleeper it's not a guy that you know everyone's heard of this guy right and i want to kind of tie in some conversations that we've had throughout the, the the beginning parts of the show where seth talked about guys looking to make the most of their opportunity you know aaron uh, this may have been off air, but we talked a bit about guys, you know, looking at teams where, you know, contracts are expiring or, you know, guys are coming off the books, they're getting caught. I want to talk about my Detroit Lions and I want to talk about Amon Ross St. Brown. He's a guy, everybody knows Amon Ross St. Brown. Right. You know, I don't think many people knew the Lions wide receiver situation at the end of last year. We're coming into this season. They had one wide receiver still under contract, and that was Quintez Cephas. And Cephas was a guy that people liked, but they brought in Ty, Ty Williams. They brought in Rashad Perriman. They drafted Amon Ross St. Brown. And now there's some inklings and some rumors that Rashad Perriman, he's been hurt, hasn't performed well. He's looking at a, cut, a potential cut candidate. St. Brown's been running with the ones. I live just south of Detroit, so I just hook the Lions content to my veins, right? I'm a diehard Lions fan, and I can't, I can't hear enough good things about Amon Ross St. Brown. By now, he shouldn't be a, a sleeper, but he's a guy that you're going to want on your roster. He's a guy that if you look at Jared Goff and what he did with Cooper Cup, I'm not saying St. Brown is Cooper Cup, but you look at what Goff did in Cooper Cup, targeting that slot receiver, that safety blanket, Amon Ra covers all checks all those boxes for me. So he's a guy that I want on as many rosters as I can possibly possibly get. I'm loving him in PPR formats, half point bon bonuses for first downs. I think he's a guy that golf is going to lean on heavily right up there with TJ Hawkinson. And it's a lot of praise and it's a lot of expectations to put on a rookie in a town where we've had been ob objectively bad at football. We have a new court. We have new everything. But he's a guy that I'm I'm willing to go to bat for, plant my flag, give me all the Amon Ross St. Brown shares. I love it. I scooped him up in one of my guillotine league drafts, so I'm happy to hear this. Uh, all right, let's go on to Seth. 
Uh, so quick bonus, Jared Goff is a sleeper because he's one of the few quarterbacks, especially in like a super flex league, uh, super flex league. He's one of the few quarterbacks that there's no competition for the job. Like he's going to be it. He's going to be the guy. Are you going to get shit weeks? Yeah, probably. But could he impress? Maybe he's been, he's been a top 20 wide receiver, uh, top 20 quarterback. <laughs> I was going to say wide receiver. Jesus. He's Brought been a top 20 quarterback. Reserve. By, yes. By about 10 fingers of Woodford Reserve. Sounds slightly sexual. All right. Um, my actual sleeper, though, is a guy that I – he's he's a name that people know, but he's also a guy that is going way too late, I feel like, in drafts. Um, and we talked a little bit about this team earlier. It's a wide receiver that stands to be the number one wide receiver on his team and is going in, according to FF calculator, 11.11. Like you could take him in the 11th, maybe 12th round. And it's Marvin Jones. Love he, it. Could, he could be the number one wide receiver on the team. And that's not to knock Chanel because I feel like Chanel is still going to do stuff on this team. He's going to have to, but everything about this Jacksonville team is bad. Like if, if you right. listen to the first half of the episode, you've heard bad teams look bad right now in the preseason and Jacksonville, they look bad. Like like, like dumpster on fire, floating down a flooded street bad. That's Jacksonville. And Marvin Jones, to me, is a guy that he could be a sleeper because no one wants – oh, my God. What is he? What is, he must be 80. Does he have the Duck Dynasty? I'm in my prime. I am hitting so many GIF references right now. This is – this is so good. Like I'm in my prime. Um, he's also had, he's tied for the second most catches in the preseason for Jacksonville and has the most yards in the preseason for Jacksonville as a guy coming off the field with the first teamers. So this is one of those situations where it's like, yes, it's preseason. Do we care about how many yards they have in preseason? No, we don't. But there's no – like, he's leading all receivers in yardage on limited steps, on limited starter snaps, and he's still leading all receivers in, in yardage and, and second in receptions behind Tavon Austin. Like – one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Pat. And, and one of those things is probably loved by Urban Meyer a little bit more, and it's probably not Marvin Jones, but that's just, you know, Urban Meyer being Urban Meyer. Like, right. But no, I, I, the game tonight – sorry, Seth. The game tonight, yeah. I, I caught a, a good chunk of the second quarter before we, we uh, recorded, and both of the announcers calling the game were just raving about Marvin Jones – and his ability to get open, his ability to, to make the contested catch, how he's going to be a safety blanket for 
Trevor Lawrence. And they brought up another good point that I didn't think of until they, they said it. Daryl Bevel is the OC in Jacksonville. Daryl Bevel was the OC with yeah. the Lions for, with Marvin Jones for the last two years. So there's a lot of connectivity there. There's a lot of familiarity, a lot of comfortability there. I love Marvin Jones. I love this. I really love this as a, as a sleeper here or as a, a guy that you're going to want on your roster. I think, I think I have him in quite a few of my underdog best ball uh, leagues as well. Best ball choice. Oh, yeah. He's just going so cheap. That's the thing. Like you can't, you can't find a cheaper option who who could be the starting wide receiver, right? I mean, he, he will give you, you will get really good weeks. You're not going to, I think you're going to get the consistency out of him yeah. because of the position, you know, in the place that he's in in Jacksonville. Um, but he's a guy that will give you, he will win weeks for you if you can get it right. And that's the key. I like it a lot. Aaron. So I love dynasty football. I got two. I'll make it quick on these. Like I'm looking at the taxi squad stashes and one, one of the guys he's hitting well in the preseason, but man, I've been on us since last year. That's JJ Taylor running back for the Patriots. I get it. He's it's just like Ramondre Stevenson. He's coming in. He's playing against the, the third string guys. But it goes beyond that, too. If you look at the running back coach, Ivan Fierce. Ivan Fierce loves J.J. Taylor. Has absolutely nothing but horrible things to say about Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> but but praises J.J. Taylor. Calls him mini Deion Lewis. And then we watch him in the game. It's not so much the stats. It's what he's actually – how he's being utilized. Because two games, he's been targeted eight times, caught all eight passes. And then on top of that, it's – it's absurd. I get it. He's going against guys that probably aren't going to make the roster. He's still averaging 7.36 yards per carry. Like if you're going against bad players, it's just like the small school prospects that are coming into the NFL draft. If you're a small school prospect. You better dominate this inferior competition. And that's what JJ Taylor's doing. And of course it was nice that he had that, that one play. I think everyone that's seen the clip knows the play. It's that that sick spin move, and and rumor has it that that defender he's still sliding. Like he may have got <laughs> cut because they just they're like he won't stop sliding. Uh, his, his ankles are just broken there. But but with JJ Taylor, it, it started really in the off season. Like they they really wanted him to take over for James White, and then James White just didn't have anyone that was interested in signing him, and so the Patriots got him back on a on a pretty cheap one year deal. And it's a one-year contract. Like, honestly, the Patriots, they have this transition period where it goes from Cam Newton to Mac Jones, and they're clearly not competing. James White's one of those guys that helps playoff teams. Like, you could easily see him ending up in Tampa Bay at some point this season. And Taylor's played his way onto the roster. And I like those stashes that that maybe take a little bit of time there that gradually go in, in the right direction, small steps. And honestly, that rookie season with Taylor, he got on the field. He he had 23 carries, 110 yards, small sample size, but 4.8 yards per carry in the regular season, like going against actual NFL players, not, not fringy guys. And he had an 
fifth percentile college target share. And now we're starting to see that in the preseason. I'm like, Oh boy, it's, he was always a developmental guy and his position coach loves him. His position coach was the guy that coached Dion Lewis. So when, when he says this is mini Dion Lewis, I'm like, okay, I, I, I take note of that. The, the other guy, he got hurt, which is perfect because you can, the hype was starting to get to him and you weren't able to get this guy anymore, but it's converted tight end Tyree Jackson of the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh my gosh. Six, seven, 250 pounds. And he's been playing tight end for less than a, a calendar year. Super raw. You can't teach height. Can't teach speed. When you pull him up on player profiler, he has a fitting comp of Logan Thomas, another former really tall, really big quarterback that couldn't make it as a quarterback, certainly has the traits to make for a very interesting tight end. That's a similar story to Darren Waller as well. I know comparing putting Tyree Jackson in the same (laughs) sentence as Darren Waller and Logan Thomas is bold, but like everyone's like, how are we going to find the next Logan Thomas, the next Darren Waller, the next player that that transitions to the tight end position? Okay, Tim Tebow could have been it. But Tyree Jackson has the traits that you're looking for, like super athletic. Tight end's the position you can get away with athleticism, pure athleticism. That's what Darren Waller was. That's what Logan Thomas was. And Tyree Jackson, we only got to see him in that one preseason game. But, man, he looked good. (laughs) He's just obviously being 6'7 and 250 pounds, like that certainly helped. But all all of the stuff, like just the, the training camp, and everything they're like this guy this guy (laughs) hakeem butler converted from receiver to tight end and then had to convert back to receiver because tyree jackson was kicking his ass in training camp (laughs) and now hakeem butler's without a job like they they wanted butler to be this this converted tight end and then they're like oh no this other guy is actually doing a much better job at it i to my league mates in the main dynasty league because Tyree Jackson's currently a free agent, but when waivers process tomorrow, he's going to be on my roster. And so when the show <laughs> drops, they're going to be rushing to get him. You're too late, suckers. I've been I've been keeping my eye on him. <laughs> I've been waiting for the right time, the right injury to, to happen. So, oh, no, I put a guy on IR and I got an open roster spot. I know I just put Darren Waller's name, as I mentioned, with Tyree Jackson. But Waller, what, two two years ago? He wasn't anything. I remember picking up Darren Waller for free in Dynasty because it's yep. like, hey, he really big athletic he, tight end. Well, he broke out on hard knocks. Right. The year that Gruden hyped him up and he actually, Waller lived yeah. up to the hype. Exactly. And this injury, I know like on the surface, it's broken back. But what I see more in that is it, it is a broken bone in his back, but it's non-surgical. Like that's important. They don't have to do surgery on it. The bone will heal. So I'm like that to me, I'm going to, I'm going to take my, take a win where I can on this one. I'm like, I can pick them up immediately, put them on IR, which is just great. And maybe pick up another guy. But just when it comes to tight end, look for the guys with freakish athleticism, more than likely they're, they're going to hit. And if they don't, like you're going to know pretty soon on that, but, Everything had been going Tyree Jackson's way until he went up to catch a pass in, in a training camp and came down wrong. So perfect time 
to pick him up because now that hype is starting to pass away. I was worried after the first preseason game. I was like, uh-oh, like it's going to happen again in preseason game two, and then it's just going to be like Jacoby Myers from two years ago, the two touchdowns like in the first preseason game. It's like, mm, if you had him before, awesome. But besides that, worst kept secret. But those are my two guys that I love as dynasty stashes, deep dynasty stashes. Okay, excellent. Uh, go go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you're hoping that big athletic tight end doesn't turn into uh, Njoku, O.J. Howard, uh, you know, they, one of those right. guys. But, but like you said, free. it's a tight end, free. so it's free. free. So, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it, it's always trying to sift through those to try and find, like you said, it's, it's that little nugget, you know. Right. You're trying to find that, that guy that – that pops off um, that may not, may not otherwise. So, right. Yeah. Okay. For that round, I awarded Pat and Seth five point each. Aaron, you got two points. <laughs> I love, I love the JJ Taylor stuff, but your excitement over Tyree, I found quite disturbing to be honest. So <laughs> we move on. <clears throat> Mr. Pat, or no, I'm sorry, Mr. Seth, it is now to you, my friend. Oh, man, you totally sent me the show sheet ahead of time, and now I'm all confused by the pretty colors that are in front of me. <laughs> uh, Matt Tea Party. I don't know. I don't remember what that means. What does it mean? <laughs> this is open topic. Talk whatever fantasy shit you want. If you want to talk some strategy, narratives, talk about some other kinds of format best ball whatever you want to talk about man we'll just go around the table just throw it out there oh wow okay um okay i've been i've been working on this idea of conflicting narratives and i feel like i can come up with like a much better catchier name of it but these are the narratives that don't make sense when you put them together. So like every player has a narrative along with them, but some narratives can't be true in tandem. So you need to decide as a fantasy player, like, do I believe this narrative, which must then negate this other narrative in order for it to be true. And so like, one of them that I've talked about a little bit is um, the Eagles, right? Last year, the Eagles offensive line, thumbs up, thumbs down. What are they? How are they? Guys, everybody, thumbs up. They were good. Thumbs down. They were bad. Eagles offensive line. Yeah, everybody, keep your hands on the wheel. Yes, they were all thumbs down, right? <laughs> like, to pick your thumb up off the floor. We get it. Yes, they were terrible. They were awful. Okay, so why are we creating a narrative for Carson Wentz to be, you know what, all he needs is an offensive line. All he needs is an offensive line. But Miles Sanders, no, fuck that guy. No, he's terrible. Wait, no, no, no. Wait, if the offensive line was bad, the offensive line was bad. Well, the, those guys were graded better in run blocking, right? But how were they graded as a, as a team? Like as a as a as a unit, because run blocking and pass blocking is a unit affair. You don't do that in isolation. You especially don't do that in isolation in the NFL level. And I think that's another like 
I don't want to be like insulting, but I think that's a, like a misconception that a lot of people have is like, oh, run blocking means you just put one big fat guy on the line versus one big fat guy on the other line. And you just run straight forward and block him as far as you can. No, there's an art and a science to that shit. Like, like the way you develop a running play, the way you develop a lane is a science. There's an and an art. Like it's it's one and the same. So if you constantly have bad offensive line play that you're going to excuse Carson Wentz for, and you're going to say, well, Carson Wentz now has a great offensive line on the Eagles. He's going to be amazing. Carson Wentz is going to be my sleeper quarterback pick. Why are you fading Miles Sanders when their offensive line is supposedly healthy, supposedly back together, supposedly better? conflicting narratives Mm. right and so that's like one of my one of my pet peeves in the the you know the fantasy industry is you know we'll we'll hype up the oh well look at this guy who benefited from all these targets oh well there that team doesn't do that that team's not a, a historical type of team that does those things okay so Stefan Diggs is your third overall wide receiver, but historically the bills have been one of the most run happy teams ever. So you're telling me they're going to go from the most run happy team to not even the most pass happy team, but a, a, a very pass happy team. And I looked it up before uh, I was literally looking up because I was thought I thought I was going to use this for a different question in the show, but uh, like the the difference in um, rushing attempts and passing attempts is almost five per game. That's a massive swing when you think about it over the course of this uh, over the course of a season. Like Stefan Diggs, I'm not saying like he's going to be bad but you want him as the wide receiver three in an offense that you're now going like, listen, they're just fucking abandoning in the run. And I get it. Everyone hates Singletary. Everyone hates Zach Moss, but that coaching staff is still the same coaching staff that has been top 10 over multiple years in rushing attempts with guess who at quarterback, Josh Allen, guess who at running back Devin Singletary they're a they're a team that shifted for a year now i am not saying i want the bills to go all the way back i went to school in buffalo i love the bills they're a better team when they're balanced they should be balanced they weren't balanced last year they weren't balanced for the multiple years previous where they were the most run heavy team Will they find a common ground? I think they will. I, I Honestly, I think they will. I think they'll find a common ground. I don't think they're going to expect Josh Allen to pass as much as he did in, in last season, especially because that's so far outside of that normal range for them. And what you see in any type of data, any, any type of data analysis is you get what's a normal range and when a point gets outside of that normal range, it usually finds its way back in there over time. Like it pops out way outside of that normal range, 
and then it slowly drops back into it and it may pop out again it may pop out the other side it may come back but it usually doesn't stay outside and and who knows maybe the bills are that team that is just now fucking amazing at passing the ball which all the people that hated on josh allen looking at you again pat all the people that hated on josh allen have to eat that now and me i'd be like you know what i'm still happy for him my analysis could be wrong but whatever it's a conflicting narrative that all of a sudden like teams do what they're like what they kind of historically do there's coaching trends there's team trends that follow suit but then we're gonna put stefan diggs as the third overall wide receiver when that type of volume isn't consistent with what the bills do in their team coaching history their coaches history and their team's history so my big rant and hopefully i feel like we do, we needed a timer on this ryan shame on you ryan you should have put a timer on this shit. i do have one because I, I went way over the time wrap it um, up <laughs> put it wrap it up B. Um, thank you <laughs> Wrap that gavel up, B. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's my my rant, my open topic, conflicting narratives. Don't let that be the downfall of you. Find out what your narrative narrative is. Find out where it conflicts with other narratives and and then decide like like one of those narratives probably are true because there's there's truth in narrative. The narrative doesn't just pop out of nowhere. Like it comes from somewhere. So there are truths in narratives, but you have to figure out where that truth is and then adjust yourself accordingly and say, I believe this truth. And therefore that means I'm fading this guy, but rising this guy or rising this guy, fading this guy, because both of these narratives can't be true together conflicting narratives boom i dig it that's like mr pat it's a 20 point answer (laughs) let's talk minus five for the length (laughs) wait was that plus or minus that's a a what she said joke just ran all over it but i don't want to insult myself so So let's talk Chicago Bears and Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Because I am a huge Justin Fields fan. I got to see him, you know, at Ohio State, beat up on my Wolverines. Now I get to see him play my Lions twice a year. I'm not looking forward to that. And the Bears have done this massive disservice by basically – Matt Nagy basically come out and say, no, Andy Dalton's QB1. So why spend why why spend the eleventh overall pick I believe on a really fucking good quarterback coming out of Ohio, coming out of Ohio State and just pigeonhole him behind a guy who no one in Chicago wants I mean the dude got fucking booed in a preseason I saw that <laughs> like granted granted he did you know he's the veteran he he will look better than Fields and Fields will adjust but this is a Bears team that has a coach and a GM on the hot seat. 
they need to win games and they need to win games really fast. I think they're going to do a lot of that with Justin Fields. Uh, Andy Dalton is not the answer there. And Seth, we've talked about this a lot. You made a very good point on our show where the Bears play the Rams in week one. You don't want the young kid getting killed by Aaron Donald in week one. Right. If Justin Fields isn't the starting quarterback in week two. I, as a Lions fan, I don't want to <laughs> see Fields until week five because they play the Lions. The Lions play the Bears in week four. Um, I think Justin Fields is going to be really, really, really good. I think the Bears specifically Matt Nagy have done a really just awful job of putting him and the team in a position to succeed. Uh, Matt Nagy's on the hot seat, Ryan Pace hot seat. I think if they get off to a slow start and they don't put Justin Fields in and they stick with Andy Dalton, they're going to get fucking fired. Sorry. My dog decided to join me and I'm giving him, I will give him a little love. He is a senior, such a good boy. He's a senior pit bull that is getting over a couple of surgeries. Oh, he's just looking for some attention. So that's what. What's that? It's Scott Prescott. Yeah. So my my pets are welcome on this show. Sometimes my man decided to join. Decided to join the show tonight, but no. I, I really, I really, really think Justin Fields gives the Bears the best opportunity to win and to win early, maybe minus the Rams game, but I, I don't see how Andy Dalton starts in week two. I just don't see it. And especially after getting booed in a preseason game and give, I give a lot of credit to fields for coming out and saying like, like what, you know, why, basically don't, don't do this. Like, why are you booing him? Like I give fields a lot of credit for that, but I think he's the starting quarterback should be the starting quarterback week one will more than likely be the starting quarterback in week two. Aaron. Wait, so I have a couple couple of things that go together as one. Um, kind of sticking with the dynasty thing for me. There were two changes my main dynasty league made a couple of years ago that in tandem, oh, it makes the playoffs so much more fun. Number one is we actually got rid of head-to-head playoffs because the idea is you're in the playoffs, you're competing against everybody. So we changed our format to to match that. So we, we have four playoff teams in our playoffs last three weeks. And the way it works is you're not matched up with some random person because we, we kept having like the two highest scoring teams would be in one matchup. And it just, you know, that happens, that happens in regular fantasy leagues. But what, what was really awesome was we went, no, for four teams, the lowest scoring team gets eliminated each week to kind of keep that you're competing against everybody. But on top of that, we actually got rid of trade deadlines. Now, I will also say this this can only work in the dynasty leagues that have been around for a while. They're with the people that you play year after year because we all know that there's those dynasty leagues you join on Twitter and they fold after a year or two. Not going to work in that. Like this, this is a dynasty league going into year five. We, for two years, had the same people there, which allowed us to do some of this stuff. But the getting rid of the trade deadlines in which there was also like, if you were going to do trades, there was a soft trade deadline. If you did trades after say it was like week 10 or so, you had to go ahead and pay in for next year. But when it got to the playoffs trades, it became an arms race. Once one, one playoff team went and did a massive trade to acquire 
you know, player A and player B. And it's like, holy crap. Like suddenly they're the, they're the favorites to win. The rest of the playoffs teams have to adjust. They had to adjust. And we had like two, two of the playoffs teams did that. And the team that didn't, they didn't get, they didn't make it out of the first round. It was a lot of fun. Those two to three weeks there, the trades that went through were crazy benefits the rebuilding teams because you're paying a much higher price for players in the, in the postseason than you would in the regular season. So those rebuilding teams, like they're able to say, Hey, cool. I have Devonte Adams and which worked out really well as the guy traded Adams. Adams had a dud game um, last year. I forget which week it was. It may have been the semifinals. So like week 15, I believe it was like traded Adams got just ridiculous value for Adams, even though Adams was a a superstar. Um, And it's great that rebuilding team got everything they need. They, they got picks and they they're right back and competing for a playoff spot this year. And it just the, the domino effect. It's so much fun. It, literally an arms race it does mean that there isn't a lot of trades that happen early in the season but these two years the trades we have seen it's been oh my god i can't believe like this team did this and just really makes those teams like if you're gonna win you have to go all in like you you can't just be like yeah i drafted well yeah i got through the season relatively healthy and may not be enough and there's teams going screw next year's draft screw the draft after that i'm in it to win it and i freaking love it it makes that league so much more fun around the time where everyone's just you know the bragging rights and championships championship belts and money and everything and money i like (laughs) absolutely i don't go crazy crazy either i i don't even hit 200 dollars in my leagues but i did yeah i do enjoy playing for money okay all right, let's see. So Seth had 20 points, minus five for the time. Uh, Pat got 15. That was a hell of an answer. Couldn't agree more. I'm not sure there's anybody that would, to be honest, Pat. And and uh, Aaron, uh, you got three points. Good job, buddy. <laughs> That's oh, better than last time. <laughs> it is. It is. All right. Okay, so off with their heads or twiddledum twiddledee do off with their heads all right now give me a player or two that you're uh, staying away from or perhaps offloading off your dynasty team uh go ahead i guess stick with just one player and this time i'll actually do redraft i have one for dynasty but i'll change it up for redraft it's gonna be aj dillon that ADP is is getting crazy. He's in the top 100, and kind of like what we talked about with uh, with Michael Carter in the top 100. That's a pretty valuable pick. You should be picking a guy that's starting on your team. And Dylan is the most expensive handcuff in fantasy football. And I get it. We saw a game last year. We saw what the upside could be. Thanks to him scoring two touchdowns, he finished like RB6 in that game. But where's where's the pass catching upside? That's those aren't the handcuffed running backs I like. I like a Tony Pollard. We see we've seen Pollard come in, and because he can catch passes, 
he finished as the RB1 in one week. That was like Chase Edmonds a couple of years ago as well. With, with Dylan, the lack of pass catching and the fact that he's going as RB34, I, when, I, when I saw that he was going as RB34, my, resp- my initial reaction was, excuse me, <laughs> 34. That you, you're drafting running backs in the top 36 because they're probably not starting on your team, but something happens week one. You got Christian McCaffrey last year. You draft him McCaffrey, ah, oh, he's out. I mean, yes, your season's probably going to be over anyways because you lost McCaffrey, but you're like, all oh, right, who was who was my RB3? So when I'm drafted in that similar range, who could I put in? Oh, God, it's A.J. Dillon, and Aaron Jones didn't get hurt. It, there's running backs going after him. Zach Moss, Kenyon Drake, Gus Edwards, James Conner, Tony Pollard. It's... Drake is a handcuff, but Drake has pass catching. Like if something happens to Josh Jacobs and it might, because the Raiders, as I've talked numerous times on, on this podcast, they paid a lot of money for Drake and you follow the money there. Drake may not be, he may not be nothing. <laughs> so if I was going to get a handcuff, I'd rather have Kenyon Drake that at least has pass catching upside and, and could be, somewhat viable with Jacobs there, but then if Jacobs is out, the sky's the limit for Drake. Like, what happens when Aaron Jones gets hurt? Can Dylan catch passes? Maybe. Like, But he does have that zero catch season in Boston College. Yes, that may have been their offense, but he certainly didn't prove anything when he had that game late last season. Like he had 21 carries and one target. So, why is AJ Dillon going to the top hundred when similar type players, Gus Edwards, in my opinion, in just 2021 is a similar type player as AJ Dillon, not a pass catcher. You know, you put him in and you're hoping that he's getting a hundred yards scoring a touchdown, but Edwards is going after, after Dillon. He's going in the RB 40 range. That's about right. And the upside of a Kenyon Drake and a Tony Pollard, Shoot, a James Conner. James Conner left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. But Conner not only is probably going to get the end zone work in in Arizona, because that's historically not what Edmonds has done. He's had, what, one end zone carry, I think, in his career. And Conner can at least catch passes. Like, that's perfect. Like, the guy that's going to get the the in-between-the-tackle role possibly. And then also if something were to happen to, to Edmonds, Connor just shown in Pittsburgh for years, he'll catch passes. He may not be a sexy pick, but yeah, <laughs> give, give me him for Moss. Like the only reason I mentioned him is he's not the, not really a pass catching running back. So we talked about in that. And as Seth talked about with the Buffalo bills offense, but Moss should be the starting running back in Buffalo, a really good offense so all these run backs going after him i go why why like we want best case scenario for dylan but also my last point is just like with michael carter you draft him in the top 100 and then you go oh no he gave me four carries for like 16 yards and oh yeah i gotta drop somebody to pick up whoever's on the waiver wire after week one and then you go it's probably my least productive player on my team. Sorry, A.J. Dillon. Like, if you like A.J. Dillon, 
that's fine. Let someone else draft them in the top 100. They're going to drop them after three weeks, unless Aaron Jones gets hurt. But you're really like the odds of that happening are just, you can't be wishing for injuries because you do that. They're never going to happen. <laughs> but Dylan's just a waste of a roster roster spot at his cost. I'm fading him completely. No Dylan. No Dylan. Okay. Mr. Pat. And I pick an entire team to avoid. Sure. You can I, do whatever I, you want, man. I want no part of anyone on the Houston Texans. <laughs> I, I, like, you, okay, you want to sell me on Brandon Cooks being this great wide receiver in thousand yard seasons, but look who he had throwing him the ball. He had some pretty good quarterbacks throwing him the ball. Jared Goff. Oh, so we're just going to overlook fucking Drew Brees and Tom Brady? I mean, we're just. You, <laughs> All right, you said pretty damn good. I'm just saying, Jared, this is conflicting narratives, right? <laughs> he had good quarterbacks okay. throwing him the football. Last time I checked, Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback in Houston. Davis Mills, maybe. I want no part of anyone there. That's Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, uh, David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, uh, give me a tight end. Uh, Kahale Waring, uh, who's the Jordan Akins? Jordan, Waring, yeah, Waring got is. cut too. Yeah, I, <laughs> that, I want no. Part that was the only any, one I liked. <laughs> I want no part of anyone in Houston for fantasy football purposes in 2021. Short, sweet. I'm staying away from Houston. You should too. <laughs> Love it, Seth. Wow. Um, all right. Well, I guess it's my job to make people angry then, um, because <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a I'm gonna go with a player that I think is just being overdrafted. Like I've I've heard like he he's gone in first round drafts, and I just think it's a ridiculous spot for this player to go. And I I feel like he follows all the trends of. Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, um, just a, a, a plethora of running backs that are guys that exceed expectations year one. And then like the fantasy community sinks their evil talents into them and their expectations explode into something that is just unachievable, right? And I'm always a person that is like, where are expectations versus where is achievable, right? I always wanna try and figure those things out because to me, like every player can be a good player if I set my expectations right. And so this is a player that, their expectations are so bad that I, I, I can't draft them in any redraft leagues. In Dynasty, if they're already on your roster, kudos to you. Keep them there. See what happens. Don't, I'm not saying offload them right now, but for me, that player that has absurd expectations is Antonio Gibson. 
And people are, they, they, I'm going to give a moment for you to pick, pick the pieces up of your brain, put them back in, put your skull back together. Cause I, I know like people love him and I get it. I get the love. I get the idea. Like he was a converted wide receiver. He's going to be great. And you could catch the ball. <laughs> Maybe he's a converted wide receiver because he wasn't great at catching the ball. Like, like not that he wasn't great. But like he was good at college level catching the ball, but maybe he's not that at this level. And let's be honest, J.D. McKissick is a great level receiving running back. So why, like as a coaching staff, why make it a point to force him third down carries? There's a difference between forcing third down carries and creating third down carries, right? Like if you told me they were running and no NFL team does this anymore, but if they were running like a pro set with McKissick and Gibson, like split out behind, not split out, but like uh, at a wishbone behind Fitzpatrick, I'd be excited. I'd be excited for that. No NFL team does that anymore. Right? Like, what you're going to get is you're going to get one guy for one type of play. And unfortunately all the signs, and this is, this is the Michael Carter self-reflection that I'm, that I did, right? Like, Hey, listen, the preseason is telling me that Michael Carter might not be it right away. Might not be there. The preseason should be telling you, Antonio Gibson's third down work that you projected him to have like a fucking hundred targets and 300 carries. It might not be there. He's not being used on third downs at all. Like I, all right, maybe Rivera's like, we're going to keep him as a secret weapon. No, that like, (laughs) no, I'm sorry. And so for for me, Antonio Gibson to return value, especially in the first round. If he's going late second, if he's going end of the second, okay, I'm all right with it. I get it. There's variance. Go. Yeah, do you. Like I took in a super flex, I took him in the turn, the three, four turn. Like, yeah, there's variance. I want to diversify. Like I, I want to take shots. But realistically, if you're taking him in the first round, you're expecting him to now get the, like he's, he's going to end the season as a top five running back. And I'm going to loop this all the way back around. Who did we say that about last year? Miles Sanders. Who do we hate now this year? Miles Sanders. (laughs) Who did we say that about last year? Josh Jacobs. Who do we hate now this year? Josh Jacobs. It's not, it's not the player. It's the expectations of the player that doesn't make sense. Gibson is going to be great. He's going to be great. Or maybe great's an exaggeration. He's going to be a very good running back. He's going to be, he's going to be a good running back, but is he going to be a top five fantasy running back? No, 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 no. Maybe once, but other than that, no. Like, 
Come on. Come on. That's bold. The whole not, I, not, 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 you know, not taking gifts in the first round. We talked about this on, on a previous show. I, it's insanity to me, but it's bold thinking or, you know, calling him not a top five. It, he could very well could be. You could make an argument for him being a top five running back, but I think it's bold, Seth, and I like it. Okay. If you had to line up the running backs and say who has the greatest potential to be a top five running back, he should fall. Outside that, yes. outside, correct. The top five people to be in the top five running backs, like Christian McCaffrey, has outside of in outside of injury injury, a hundred percent chance of being a top five running back outside of injury, right? Yep. Um, uh, we're gonna yeah. Oh man, I I'm glad you said it before I did. Zeke is up there. Aaron Jones is up there. Derrick Henry is up there. Um, Alvin Kamara is up there. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is basically the number two all the time. Like Jonathan Taylor. Right right there, we're at six. Jonathan Taylor. Yes. Um, Where does Antonio Gibson fall in those? He only falls in those group of guys. And even even take out Jonathan Taylor because he's another second round guy. And maybe. And I'd be. I'd be. Uh, you know, casting the first stone in my my glass house on this because I love Jonathan Taylor and I took him very high in my last draft. Like, and we're forgetting Saquon Barkley on that list too. I think I included. I think I think I yelled him out. I don't know if I can count it up, anyway, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, like yeah, that's there's a whole lot of guys that have a lot more of a consistent, like a consistent kind of numbers based if you will uh look at who's going to finish that right and i feel like a lot of people are going antonio gibson that's a whole lot of i want i want him to be well yeah of course if you're gonna if you're drafting gibson in the first round you want him to be a top five running back of course right sorry seth and i went off on our own maybe we'll pick that up on our show tomorrow night yeah. We go live at nine o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. You got, guys, plug. jump, jump on in, join the conversation. Nine o'clock. <laughs> oh, no, uh, I no was more, actually. Get, oh, go ahead. I say no, no more plugging our show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just gonna add in. It, I, I pretty much played host, but but I've got one, and this is just dynasty specific. Something I've talked about before, but I'm a big proponent of better a year early than a year late as far as getting rid of running backs i hate to say it because i love running backs i think they got a shit gig where they have to work that damn hard they they're they're not five worth years. the second contracts because five of what years. They, huh five years five year shelf life i don't know once they get about to that end of that rookie contract like I, i'm not gonna lie all my zeke and, and Dalvin Cook shares this year, gone, gone. And I know they'll probably both be solid this year, but I also know that specifically with Dalvin Cook, he's been way up there. I mean, if you kind of look at the history with running backs and Cook, 
he can't even stay healthy a full season. And, and you're looking at the wear and tear on Derrick Henry. And like some of these guys that were the top guys are going to start sliding down. Maybe they stay up there this year, but like, so I'm, I'm of the opinion, you know, I get these guys when they're young, I try and target, you know, wide receivers in their prime. And then you get your quarterbacks, your tight ends. And then, but I'm always going young, young, young at running back. And I, you know, if I have to two years early, whatever it takes, I want to just use these guys for two or three years and then get to the next young guy. And that's, that's something I've started doing in the last couple of years. And it's enabled me to stay a little younger there. And uh, it, it, We'll see how well it works down the line, but I, I'm usually fairly competitive, but I just, cause you get to a point where that just, uh, it, there's nothing left for a guy and everyone fucking knows it. So I try yeah. and get out under from under that before that happens. You're also going to get a hell of a lot more return on your investment. Yeah. Right. By flipping right. them a year early versus a year late. And, and that's also league dependent too, because one of Correct. my leagues is it's a home league that's been going for a while. I mentioned in pre-show, it's one of my favorite leagues. Um, and young running backs are the thing and old running backs, like as soon as they hit like 25, 26, it, right before that second contract, you cannot sell them. You mm-hmm. can't like right now, Zeke is worth nothing. Delvin cook. <laughs> nothing like it and like in a normal like dynasty league it's like no they should be worth something but Mm -hmm. in this league because of how the market has adjusted to the people playing it like a Najee Harris value is fucking huge compared to like a Zeke value and it's like but he'll help you win this year I don't care like Right. The young running back, the young running back is going to help me win for two years, not one year. And it, it, and it happens in leagues. And this is, you know, um, I award you, I award you 50 points <laughs> just, just for that. I award oh, you 50 it. points. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Speaking of points, I do have I, I was gonna call the game and then if you guys want to do the final topic for fun afterwards, we can do that. But I know it's getting late as hell for you fellas. But I want to announce the winner bringing up the rear with 10 points is Aaron. Yeah, very good, Aaron. You got 10 points. Got Double 10 digits. Points. And then for the very last topic, I obviously gave you five, Aaron, but but Seth, I gave you 19, which gives you 39 points. Now, originally, I was just going to give you what you wanted and let you get the most points. But then Pat fucking went and hit me with just short and sweet. Fuck off, Houston Texans. <laughs> Pat, Dynasty Pat wins the fucking game. Thank you very much, Dynasty Pat. 40 points, the winner. Thank you very much. <laughs> Got to pour yourself another drink, Seth. Good job, Pat. I'm so happy for you. Yay. Yay. We'll, we'll never talk hey, about this I, again either. I guess you guys have to come back on the show again and oh, see if course. Seth can redeem I, himself. I agree. You know. uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I thought we uh, said we like short, sweet answers. I just said yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, good, good, good. Excellent. Okay. Anyone have any final thoughts before we get the hell out of here? I do actually have a couple of quick injury updates here. Uh oh. I always have it. I've got multiple monitors. I'm keeping my focus on here, but I can look up and see. So we've got some initial diagnosis on some of the injuries. I'm concerned with Travis Etienne. Midfoot sprain, not ankle, mid midfoot. So I That's saw he, Liz Frank. He was in a boot. I yes. saw a picture of his left foot was in a boot. So I think tomorrow is the big day for ETM. So fingers crossed there because <laughs> when I hear midfoot sprain, it's Liz Frank. And that yeah. is horrible, horrible. Like that is, that can yeah. be, like it's Liz Frank is the worst. Then those high ankle sprains, which there's a different term for that. <laughs> Keep it PG. And then, of course, just your regular ankle sprains. On the other side of things, Troutman might be okay. Like, so this is weird. I kind of get some Hunter Long vibes where it was like, oh no, Hunter Long's down. Oh no, they're doing tests for ACL. Oh, he's practicing like a week <laughs> later. So this is from Shefty. Uh, they, so let's see, he's scheduled to go for an MRI and they said that he's just experiencing mild pain. So I'm like, okay, interesting. Um, but same with ETN. It's like, we have to wait till what, like, uh, probably Wednesday, they said, Wednesday, yeah, Thursday. yeah. They, they said like Tuesday's the MRI. So yes, yeah. we won't know when, unless we hack their medical database and uh, get the, uh, get the readings. What is it only the regular season where it's the weekly injury reports, right? Nothing mm -hmm. is like set in stone yeah. during preseason. It's not like they've got to come out every Wednesday and say, okay, right. these guys were injured. Okay. Right, because the Miami coach, Brian Flores, of course, like when Hunter Long and I have him in Dynasty, and I'm like, well, what is it? Like, just hit me with the bad news. Tell me it's torn ACL <laughs> so I could just be in pain already. And and he's like, I don't think he's going to practice. Like, well, no, duh. So you're right. I think there is something weird, like preseason, they can, they can say He's in a cast in crutches. I know he's not practicing, <laughs> but what is it? <laughs> so is it four weeks or four months? <laughs> right. Five to 12 weeks? Five to 12 weeks. Okay. Yeah. It's somewhere going to be between next week and next season. All right, guys, just next week and next season. <laughs> go oh, have fun with that. Wrong. Go have fun with that in the press booth. <laughs> See you guys in so, a week. So fingers crossed, Troutman may be okay. And, oh, midfoot for Etia. Not, not, not good. Ugh, don't like hearing that. Not great, but definitely uh, works if you're a fan of James Robinson. That definitely has got to bump him up a little bit. Got some, got got a bit of him in some best ball drafts, I do say. And Seth Boy, Carlos Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> uh, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't don't put that evil <laughs> on me, Ricky Bobby. That that's that's literally like a hey, they brought him in. It it. I'm gonna it's put not that, that ambiguous, but it is somewhat ambiguous of a backfield like. I, Carlos Hyde could be a thing. 
Just you just it said there. it. You said it weeks ago. I did. I'm trying, I did I'm say it weeks ago. I did say it weeks ago. I'm trying to give you credit. Ago, just shut up. Carlos take your credit. <laughs> <laughs> shut up and take your take your compliment. <laughs> you Thanks, said it ben. weeks ago. I'm trying to give you credit here. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Right. Lovely hairline. Take your compliment. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Man, it has been a blast having you guys on. I hope we can get you back on again. I thought you said yes to that, though. So oh, I, absolutely. I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Totally yes. All right. Thanks again. Is it at Dynasty Pat on Twitter? At Dynasty underscore Pat. At Dynasty. And what about you, yeah. Seth? At FF, the at home dad. I got it there right. There we go. There you go. <laughs> and y'all know where to find us. Thank you for joining once again the Dynasty Wonderland podcast. Everyone, hey, does take care of yourselves. We're out of here. Dynasty Wonderland. <laughs> Poor Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Ah.